Columbia, so he is a partner of one of our Acts 29 churches that we actually support, that you guys have given uh, money to support, um, and they are killing it. Just a li- Moses will share more later. We have our Meet the Missionary meal, um, so we have tables that will have food, and Moses will kind of present some stuff, some updates. Uh, Moses is a stud. He is an elder that went through the process. Um, he, again, is, uh, Juan Carlos is here too. He's with another church, another partner church in Ovilla. Um, but just love Moses, love his ministry and what the Lord is doing in Barranquilla. So just a quick Colombian update. Barranquilla is the coast, so they're they supposed to talk more like us, like the Puerto Ricans, Caribbean people. But they're on the coast, a city about 2 million people. They have a, a seminary, an institute going to 3,000 people. It's like It was 12,000. Now I hear it's 3,000. They were doing all this during COVID. I think Colombia, that's why we've invested in Colombia, is a catalyst for what the church will be like in Latin America. So I, I'm excited to hear more about Moses, and he's going to exposit and teach us from Psalm 34. So excited. Thank you, Moses. Love. Give, give him a round of applause, if you would. Okay. Good morning, my dear brothers and sisters. How are you today? Very excited to sing with you and joining this, uh, this day with you, sharing the word, but also singing the song, beautiful songs that give us uh, a glimpse about what we are going to experience in that everlasting life with Jesus. Um, I hope that you are waiting for that day in which we're going to join him forever. Amen? Amen. Okay, guys, uh, let's read. Uh, that's what... Uh, I'm, I'm here for sharing the word. Let's read Psalm 34. Psalm 34. A beautiful psalm. Beautiful one. Psalm 34. You have it? Okay. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul make its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Amen. Amen. I saw the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him. And save him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How many of you say amen? amen. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, oh children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. And his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. 
to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the broken hearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of, all the, out of them all. He keeps his, all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. You know our hearts, and you know every single thing that we're facing. And thank you because you are so wise, and you are full of grace. Mercy is evident in your word. And today, you will give us this message through this psalm from a person that was being that was alone, that was feeling alone, that was facing a very hard time, but at the same time, you were helping him to remind those truths that today we have to keep in mind as well in order to persevere until we reach that precious goal that is ahead, the goal that we can get because of your salvation, because of the word that you have done on the cross. Help me to be faithful to what you already uh, wrote, to what you already stated on this psalm. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Let me set this again because I think I will be more comfortable with this like that. Okay. Adversity, my dear brothers and sisters, have you heard that word before? Are you familiar with that word? Tell me what kind of adversity you have faced this week, this last week. Maybe many, maybe few, but we are very familiar with that. In this fallen world, my dear brothers and sisters, we experience injustice, pain, anguish, suffering, these are experiences that are not strange to believers. Every day, we face situations that demand a God-glorifying answer from us. Many times, we fail in the atom, but even so, the Word of God encourages us to persevere until we reach the goal. David was particularly experiencing such a situation as described in the introduction to this psalm. The episode or the context of this psalm is referred in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Let me tell you a little bit about that context. David had learned from his friend Jonathan that his father's soul wanted to kill him. So he decides to run away from Israel and go into Philistine lands, but not before passing through the village of Nob, where Abimelech, the priest, gave him the sword that had belonged to Goliath. 
But David was so desperate that he fled with that sword in his hands to the city where Goliath was from, the land of Gat, where King Achish, or Abimelech, that's the same name, was ruling. And in order not to give the impression that he was in a provocative mood, David decides to pretend that he is mad and begins to write scribbles on the covers of the doors and to let the speedo run down his ver, so he was able to escape and hide in the cave of Adulam, where he probably wrote this psalm. So, such a <laughs> very difficult situation. So, as you can notice, this was a very difficult time in David's life. So, he was alone. He was in a cave. He was hiding in that cave with very few comforts. And his life was in danger. So, just that. No more than that. He was facing a very difficult time. And then he writes these songs. However, even he could have a good excuse to just be depressed and staying there, uh, lamenting all the different situations that he was facing, he was still able to, write, to raise his eyes to heaven and write this beautiful psalm. So this psalm, my dear brothers and sisters, becomes like an open window, an open window to learn how the believer must face the moments of difficulty in his life. So, basically, we're going to focus the message on three main points. First, we find it on the verses 1 to 7. We're going to see how David looks on God in the middle of a really hard time. Second point, that goes from verses 8 to 14. We have a kind of invitation that David has an invitation to intimacy with God as the way to face adversity. And last but not least, from verses 15 to 22, we have the implications of accepting or rejecting that invitation. So it's an invitation that we have to be aware of because the response that you give to that invitation we have eternal consequences, okay? So first, let's go to the first point of this message. Let's see how David looks on God in the middle of this hard time. And um, we see how this psalm starts with a very energetic, with a very, uh, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a way to praise the Lord, to, to express thoughts about the Lord, about his attributes, that if we don't know the context, we could think that he was facing a very good time. He was so happy that obviously he was with that intention to express these beautiful words about the Lord. But not, that's not the context. We already know it. We know what he is facing and then he starts with this, I will bless the Lord at all times. What kind of time he is facing? And he's saying this, I will bless him at all times. The happy ones, and especially this, a very 
bad time, a very hard time. And then his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So there is a strong determination to keep on praising the Lord. So if you don't know the context, you say, okay, how easy is to do that when you are full of comforts and everything goes in a very good way. But that's not the case of David, my friend. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. And then, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. He's able also to, you know, inv invitate people, say, okay, let us exalt him together. I'm not the one who has to do this. You have to do it. I saw the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. It's obvious to understand that there were lots of fears maybe struggling his inside his heart on that time. Why this man is persecuting me? It's not fair. I didn't do anything wrong. Why I have to be here in this cave alone? It's not fair. And many things that maybe were struggling inside him. But then he says, I, was, I saw the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from those concerns. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So, Despite how David may have felt in that moment of affliction and persecution, David didn't allow his feelings to dominate his life. This doesn't mean, pay attention, this doesn't mean that believers don't have moments of sadness or worry about adverse situations. We have them. Maybe right now. But pay attention to what David did. Because grounded in his knowledge of who God is, he determines to praise his greatness because he knows and is well aware that God is the one who rules, that he's sovereign. That is why, if you didn't pay attention to this, that is why he is referring to God as the Lord. Do the math how many times he expresses about God as the Lord in this psalm. He is the Lord. And he is expressing this word because he is referring to one of the attributes of God, that he is sovereign, that he is the one who rules. And in moments like that, reminding attributes of God is the key. And this one especially, that he's sovereign, and also another one, the providence of God, is the key to face this kind of time. Remember what says Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. I want you to, to join me on that, on that passage. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 29 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good 
For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. To know the attributes of God brings much more clarity to our life when we are facing all kinds of situations. Just knowing deeper, for instance, that God is sovereign and his providence, let us understand why Paul states in Romans that everything that happens to us as believers is ruled by God and addresses to the fulfillment of his grace purpose on us. So, here comes a question. How well do you know God? How well do you know God? We're going to fail. Of course, we're human beings. We're sinners. We are struggling with this sinful nature that is, that is in here every single day until Jesus comes for us. We're going to fail. But at the same time, he's demanding from us uh, an answer to every situation that we face. An answer that could glorify him. And he gave us tools in order to be equipped and to be ready to give that answer that he's waiting from us. But the key is, how well do you know him? Because the more intimate you are with God, the better the way you will face adversity. Do you remember COVID pandemic two years ago? In Colombia, it was a very hard time. I don't know if in the state was the same. Um, as a consequence of COVID, many things were coming to our society, and we're still struggling with much of it. But during the time of COVID pandemic, we have a shutdown there in, in Colombia for about two or three months. So we were not able to gather. And, you know, it was a very hard time for us. During the time of the COVID pandemic, God allowed many believers to reflect in the middle of the difficulty about the knowledge they really had about him. Those who had a greater understanding that God is sovereign, we're able to face the adversities arising from the pandemic in a God-honoring way. Many things happened during that time. Uh, and in the case of our local church, may, uh, so many people were leaving the church during that time. During that time. But at the same time, uh, for us as pastors, for example, the... We didn't, we, we, we didn't have the possibility to, to see people the way we wanted to see him to see them. But at, in the middle of that time, we remember that he is the Lord, that he is the one who uh, established the pandemic. He was the one who said, okay, this is a time for pandemic. And he is the one who's leading everything. So that makes us to be more relaxed. And even though there were deaths, there were, uh, there were very hard economic situations that we had to face, we were in some way, we were like, you know, more relaxed. We were facing that adversity 
with a clear understanding that we were not able to change everything, but he is in control. That's the key. And the realization of this great truth brings joy to the life of the afflicted. Another, and look at this, another aspect that you, can, that you can notice in this psalm about this truth, how knowing God helps us to face this in, in a glorifying way, Another aspect of going deep in the knowledge of God for David was, was that he was very clear that God was surrounding him and that he was not alone. Do you remember verse 7? Let's remind that verse. It says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So he was in a cave. He was feeling alone. He was facing this hard time, but reminding who God is was uh, the key to remember that he was not alone, that God was dwelling among that situation. He was there. And how many times during this week, during the last month, you have felt that you are alone facing this battle, facing this uh, so many people are just out. Those who called you friend are out. And you have felt alone, struggling with this. But today is a day to remind us. God is among those or is encamping around those who fear him. Amen. Okay. So... You are not forgotten by God. You are not forgotten by God. Those who look to him will be radiant. That's another truth. How is that possible, David? Their faces will not be covered with shame in spite of the hard time they may, they may be facing. Look, David's situation didn't change immediately. The psalm doesn't say that. Maybe, I don't know how many days he was uh, struggling with that situation right after this psalm. David's situation didn't change immediately, but for David remained a fugitive. However, the difference now was that God had delivered him from all his concerns. And that's something great. As a consequence of living in a fallen world, we have to face adversity every day. In different forms. So until the day God returns for his church, we are going to have the same reality. How many of you say amen? But God can deliver us from all the fears, from all the concerns. Maybe non-believers will call you crazy. You're mad. You have to worry about this. You have to be depressed. You have to cry. Yeah, sometimes we might cry. But for the believer, and especially for that who is going deeper on knowing the God he is worshiping, things are going to be different because he will have different glasses to look at the reality. God will change your lens. 
to see the reality the way he wants you to face it, to see it. Amen. God doesn't promise that we will have a trouble-free life. For no one can escape the consequences of living in a fallen world, as I told you. But what he promised, what he does promise for all those who take refuge in him is that they will experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. Do you remember that verse? Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, look, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's what we need. Of course, sometimes in God's mercy, He will take that problem out of you, out, out of your, your area. But sometimes, as He is sovereign, He will decide that that, that situation will still be there. Maybe until the last day of your life in this planet. Maybe that hell issue that you are strong with will be, the, will be there until your last day. For some others, it will be different. He is sovereign. But what could be different is the way in which we are going to face that. Even... God in his mercy and, so, uh, and, and providence decides to move that problem aside or not. Amen. So this is how David look on God in the middle of this adversity. And as a consequence of that testimony, we might say it in that way, he then make us an invitation, and a special one. And that is my second point. An invitation to intimacy with God as the way to face adversity. And look the way it starts in verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like those two words. He could, he, could, he could have done it in a different way, but he was very accurate and intentional and choosing these two words that appeal to senses. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Now we have this invitation, a direct invitation to experience the same perspective that he had told us so far, and he does it in this particular way, taste and see. Let me tell you something. One of the most delicious foods that we have in Colombia that you can taste in Barranquilla, that is the city where I come from in the north coast of Colombia, is the famous arepa de huevo. You know it, right? Arepa de huevo, or egg arepa. Okay, that's one of the most famous meals there. I can, well, I would really lack words 
to describe how delicious it is. Oh, you agree, Brian. I can tell you that it's totally addictive for its taste. I can tell you about how crispy it is in the outside and how soft it is in the inside. However, I don't think that you will become an egg arepa or arepa de huevo fan until something happens. You know when? Until you taste it. I can stay all day long telling you how delicious it is. But you will understand my words until you taste it. And you will say, hey, give me more. Give me more. Give me more. You see, David could have, ha could have used all the possible words to keep on describing how good or the advantages to live in a God-centered life as he was showing us in the first verses. But he points the fact that this is a matter of experiencing God as fully as possible. Because the true believer is a person of communion with God. A person who has time along with God and his word so that he can really be aware or taste and see God's goodness in his life in the middle of whatever kind of situation he is experiencing, persecution, criticism, and whatever. Look what the Psalm 27 verse 13 says. Psalm 27 verse 13 says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of, Lord, of the Lord in the land of the living. The more intimate you are with God will guide you to that belief that even your eyes are looking to a situation that is very uh, difficult, adversity. In the middle of that, God's goodness is pouring over you because he is in control. He is ruling over everything. And in a way that maybe we don't understand, he is working on that. He is in the middle of that. So I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So going deep in intimacy with God is the key to really begin to understand how God is ruling over everything to shape our lives for his purpose. If your life is really building up on going deep on the knowledge of God, of who God is through his word, that will take you to the desire of looking at him. And as a consequence of experiencing communion with God, you will be growing in a life that is characterized by dependence on God and a delightful obedience to Him. Let's read again verses 13 and 14 of our psalm. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Growing in communion with God. 
becoming a more intimate person with God will guide you to be a holy person. Um, when the test refers to saints, the word saints, what is the real, the real meaning of the word saint in the context of the Bible? Being saint means that you are just apart for God, that now you belong to God. And as a consequence of that, your life is characterized by a life that is always obedient to what God says or states in his word. And look at this, a delightful obedience. You are not uh, an obedient person to God because uh, you were feeling forced to do it. No, you are obedient to God because for you it's delightful. There's, an, there's no way to, be, to behave in a different way to that because now I know who God is. I know that he is holy. And as a consequence of that, I become a person that shows, that uh, express holiness in the way I'm doing things. Amen. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 to 6, Proverbs says this in the chapter 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make astray your path. So as a consequence of that intimacy with God, your life will be different. Amen. Also, the way you think, the way you are looking at the different situations you are facing. Usually, a life of intimacy with God leads us to the fear of the Lord, which refers to holding God in proper reverence and awe. It is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. So, you want to be wise? In the middle of adversity, of course I want. I want to take wise decisions, decisions that glorify God in the middle of the adversity I'm facing. Okay? Grow in your intimacy with God, and that will lead you to fear Him, and that is the foundation for taking decisions that will be expressing wisdom and knowledge. Amen. Because as Christians, as believers, we have the responsibility in this world to glorify God. And not only when everything, when everything that you're facing is great, but especially when crises are coming to your life. Especially on those moments. Especially on those moments in which your flesh it's just screaming at you and saying, hey, this is the way in which you have to do things. You have to think about revenge. You have to think about closing everything, you know, and just run away. Especially in those moments, you have to take decisions that glorify God. But that is attached to the intimacy and how well do you know him? Amen. 
That is the invitation. That is the invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. But there is a third point for our psalm. And this is an invitation that in which in, in some ways people could say, okay, great, David. How interesting is the invitation that you are making. But I am so busy that maybe I will consider it next month. No, my dear friend, there are implications from that uh, invitation. Accepting or rejecting this invitation will change our lives forever. That is verses 15 to 22. Look, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward the Christ. Their face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the broken hearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Look, affliction will slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. But the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in king will be condemned. So, everything, everything what David has argued in order to convince listeners... To taste and see that the Lord is good sounds so, so, so good. However, then he then goes on to hint that clearly the response we give to that invitation will completely shape our lives. Even thinking from the perspective of eternity. For example, for those who give a positive response to this invitation, we have verses 15, 17, until 20, and the last 22. God promises that he is close in a way that even though we may suffer in this fallen world, that won't be an everlasting suffering. There will be a happy ending at the end. God will come for us and will be safe from everlasting condemnation. Amen. We are going to face suffering in this world, of course. Sometimes God in his mercy will help us to be out of that suffering. Some other, some other times not. But anyway, anyway. At the end of this journey, my dear friend, at the end of this journey, the suffering will be stopped there and then our better life will start. An eternal life in, will, in which we are not going to cry anymore. Tears are not going to come from our eyes anymore. Illness will be history and everything that will be awaiting for us is joy. Is that eternity just praising and, and worshiping our dear Lord. That is 
our eternal home awaiting for us, my dear friend. So accepting this invitation of tasting and see, of experiencing God in a, in a deeper way is something that you, it's not just considering if it's good or not to take that invitation right now. You have to. You have to. Because when this service, this service finishes now, when you go out from this facility, you will continue struggling with adversity. It's a promise. It's a promise. Today, tomorrow, and this week, every single day, you will see that. And in some cases, you will see how mercy, how God's mercy is just helping to just put that problem aside. But as I, I have told you, not all days that happens. But then when you just look on that goal, on that eternity, you will be encouraged to keep on struggling, to persevere until the end. But on the other side, my dear friend, on the other side, those who reject this invitation will taste and see. But not that the Lord is good. They will taste and see the God's wrath. Because God will be his enemy. We, we know that verse from Romans that says, if God is for us, who's against us? And we say, amen. But in this case, it's the opposite. If God is my enemy, who's going to help me? And it sounds cruel, but that's the truth. Those who reject that invitation will suffer the consequences of God being his enemy or her enemy or their enemy. That's what verses 16 and 21 says. Verse 16 says, The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. 21, affliction will slake the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. Eternal condemnation. Eternal condemnation. I think that all of you are believers, or if there's not a believer here, this is a word that you have to hear. I don't know who's going to watch this message later, later, through video, through Facebook, but... This is clearly an open invitation for those who are not believers to consider what they are doing. Because God is serious when he says that he will cut off memory of them from the earth. And that condemnation will come from them. For believers, it's just a word of encouragement to persevere. God is, God is in control. Don't forget that. You're not forgotten by God. God is dwelling among those who fear him. And he delivers those who fear him from all the concerns, from all the fears. That doesn't mean that, that we don't have to think about responsibilities. We have to worry about things, obviously. But not in a way in which you go to depression 
in a way in which you go to sadness and in a way in which feelings dominate your life. Not in that way. Obviously, we worry about so many things. I have to worry about my little daughter that is there just beginning the school this week. And he's very she's very active and so on. But I know that God is in control. That even I'm preaching here, he's in control of my little daughter, that my wife. He's in control of everything. Amen? Do you see the difference? And David was there in a cave, being persecuted. Things were maybe getting worse later, but he was very clear about this point. God is in control. And if this is my last day to live in this world, God is in control. That's his plan for me. Because if, I, if, it's the, if this is my last day on the, on the earth, then will be my first day of my everlasting life with him. And that's everything that I need. Amen. Amen. So church, my dear brothers and sisters, just remind this word. I don't know what, what you're struggling with, but God knows it. And God has led you to hear this truth. Just encourage on the, on the, just be motivated for this word. And remember, he is there. Even if you don't, even you have thought that he's not there. He's there. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. David refers or talks about you as the Lord. Because he was really aware that you were in control of everything. At the same time, he is giving us this invitation to experience intimacy with God. Intimacy with God is the open door to grow in wisdom and knowledge. It's the open door to, uh, to be more mature in this way, in order to glorify your name in the middle of adversity. Let us remind these truths every single day of this week. Maybe just right of, out of this facility because adversity is a reality that we cannot deny. Help us, dear Lord. Help us because we are so limited. We have no control over every, anything. You are the Lord. Help us to be dependent on you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>